0: word why what a curious word kind of word that can make us cringe feel defensive or even distant but you know sometimes why is the key a key that can unlock so much to our lives join me as we explore the why with fascinating contributors to the world those that entertain us inform us teach us about life and if we're lucky inspire the next in all of us I'm your host dr. Rod Berger and welcome to Headroom, a production of Rainlight and co-produced by Old Soul. Let's go. Well, recently, uh, for those of you that follow my social media, and I'm sure all of you do, I say that in jest here, um, you might have seen that I had was at uh, Art Basel in Miami, and I will admit that I did not feel like I was, uh, I don't know, someone that knew what he was doing walking around this incredible art that was everywhere. Uh, It was fascinating, absolutely fascinating. And I came back and I thought, you know what? I would really love to learn a little bit more about sort of what's going on in the art scene with some innovative people. And I thought, you know what? Let's do that with somebody who graduated from the University of Michigan uh, prior to the college football playoff here. And uh, we're (laughs) going to be speaking with Chelsea Naseeb. She is the co-founder of Tappan. Many of you in the art world know about Tappan. Uh, and, and Chelsea and what she has done. Can you give me the, just give me the let's start here, Chelsea? Let's start with a 10,000 foot view because as I was preparing for our discussion today, I will admit again, my second time here, feeling a little bit ignorant, thinking, Well, how has this not already been sort of out there? That when we think about the way in which someone like me or those that have great sort of deep knowledge in art can purchase art online, so give me the 10,000 foot view because I know you graduated maybe the prospects weren't terribly sort of where you wanted them, and you said, I'm gonna do something about this.
1: Yeah, so when I, I graduated and I wanted to be an artist, um, I started selling my work, doing having shows, and just felt like the path to success wasn't very clear. I also felt like connecting artists and collectors, um, there was a, a real gap in the market. At the time, this is like 2010, the art world said that they would never go online. Um, and just being young, um, <laughs> I, I felt and like unafraid. <laughs> right, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, that's crazy. Of course it's gonna go online. Um, and so let's try with a proof of concept. So um, out of art school, got uh, a bunch of friends, who were full-time artists, pursuing the full-time career. Um, let's see if we get their work online, if we if people will buy artwork online. And 10 years and a full pandemic, the whole art world went online and, and everybody's joined us in in the space. Um, but but um, we were happy to have, you know, figured out the kinks along the way.
0: Okay, so let's talk about some basic challenges. I mean, I'm thinking about everything from, I mean, you're dealing with, I can only imagine when they initially said in 2010, like, we're not going online, right? Because I think, again, people think of art as reflecting, like, in essence, there's no middle ground. If I think about a starving artist and a painter, right, we see that in Hollywood, but then we see Mm -hmm. the people that buy the art and that we're talking about two different classes of people, at least from a sort of a, a storytelling perspective. Sure. And it seems like you're sort of combining those those lives, yes. right? Yeah. In some fashion that allows then for the sort of the common folk or, or art follower, right? Uh, enthusiast to be able to then purchase that art. Was it harder to convince the buyer or the artist?
1: The artist at first. The artist. Um At first. At first. So there's so many there's so many elements to the art world that make someone who is as educated and sophisticated as yourself feel like they don't understand the art world or feel like they're a fish out of water. And um, part of that is the transparency of the market um, and just a general approach, right? So to start, to answer your question, the artists were afraid of what it meant for their career to go online. Um, and, As if it would
0: dilute their value, Chelsea?
1: Right. And and it was uncharted territory. So, you know, what is it going to do? How is it going to affect my, my market? Um, things like that. Things of that nature. Um, and then losing my train
0: of thought. We um. <laughs> were just talking about the difficulty and in, in basically who you're selling first and or who is easier. Is it the buyer? Because I, from the buyer's side, I would imagine you, you mentioned about transparency,
1: right? right? So I
0: think about it and I think our... I'll speak from my perspective is terribly subjective, right? So I get, so this is, <laughs> I have an eight and 10 year old, right? And so their school, there's a part of some app or something that they have that they'll send their artwork on my phone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: And then mm-hmm. it's great.
0: It's like, would you like to put this picture of, you know, a minion on a coffee cup? And I think to myself, oh. ah, that is amazing, right? So, but it's completely <laughs> subjective as the buyer, what I, right. what I like or what I don't like. Right. And transparency is an issue already in art. And now we're going online, do you have to sort of stack the deck to prove not prove maybe that but to get the support of the of the buyer out there that didn't even know it was an option
1: right and so one of the things when we started was two things that were not common in the art world was transparency um in price and wow. the availability of the work so that that in and of itself was a whole different approach to selling artwork. Um, And that was really important to us because even myself, somebody very comfortable being in an artist studio, talking and understanding, judging, you know, whether I like a piece of artwork or not, am uncomfortable walking into a gallery where they You know, they they may or may not say hi. They, you know, they may or may not tell you about the artist's work. And and there's there's a lot there that, um, you know, make that barrier to entry to feel comfortable talking and learning about the artwork um, difficult. So one of the things that we wanted to do was, me personally, my favorite thing is to be in the artist's studio. And so... As a education moment, we have a ton of artist interviews. One of the, one of the entry points for me, for our, um, customers, for our collectors was to get them to understand what the artist is going through, thinking about, uh, contemplating and then processing internally and expressing through their artwork. That's the beauty. That's the beauty of of artists whether it's fine artists or musicians or dancers they're really the ones that contemplate our existence and express it back to us in such a beautiful way so it's it's really an honor for me to support them and it's really important to me to highlight that part of it as an entry point for people because it's so human and it's such a it's such a beautiful entry point um, that I think most people can connect with it's just when you see artwork in in a blank space and don't feel like you can ask about the artist or or why they're making and all of the, that background whether you like the work or not it becomes it becomes difficult out of context, you know um and so that was one of the challenges that we, focused on addressing in the online space
0: so really sort of the person behind the brush if we're using painting as an example is that fair yes
1: yeah absolutely absolutely absolutely
0: tell me me Uh, about the first yes from an artist when you were when you built this when you I mean was that I would imagine that was a turning point
1: yeah I mean we yeah there were there were artists who were uh, immediate yeses, there were artists who had to contemplate and go back and, and then come back. Um, but I remember the one of the most pivotal early moments for me was um, an artist who I adore adore the work, um, was going to stop making because early in their career, it's difficult to sell the work and justify pursuing a career, um, you know, if you can't bring in, if you can't sell your work, so we, so I sent a check um, at the end of the month, and uh, the email I got back was, "Oh my goodness, thank you so much! I was gonna stop making if it wasn't for this. Like this is so validating." And he went on to to show in the Hermes collection and major galleries in New York. And, and that's, um, that was like my, one of my favorite early, earliest moments.
0: That's an amazing story. I can only imagine an artist and those of us that have known artists. uh, And I appreciate that you brought up art in many different forms, right? Right. Um, Because it is really difficult to figure out how do they basically sustain themselves so that they can be creative and that we can enjoy um, the way in which they think and the way in which they express themselves. How do you, Chelsea, think about your role in all of this? Are you a conductor? Are you a, I I mean, what role? Because as you were telling that story, it was almost as if you were extending almost like a virtual hand to that artist, right? And bringing them into a safe space kind of a thing. So how do you think of yourself? Yeah,
1: Yeah. Um, interesting question. Uh, Never had that one before. I, I think people have told me I'm really a connector. And I think that bringing artists into a safe space and bringing collectors into a safe space where they can interact is really my role. So I see myself as like part curator, part promoter, um, um, you know, for the artists. uh, And yeah, yeah.
0: What role does education play so that we, uh, maybe I'm putting my parent hat back on and you talked about educating sure. earlier. When we think about, you know, typically the first thing that goes in schools is sadly our extracurricular or you right. know, art uh, and music experiences. Yeah. Can, can, we, can we extrapolate something from the world that you have built um, and that you're promoting? Uh, I like that you said that even with a smile, it's not that you're promoting like a boxing or something like that, but. Right. <laughs> <laughs> But there's this mix of sort of uh, of music and promoting you know, art of all kinds, but how can we help this get out in a way in which exp- gets younger people to even pay attention to art in a very different way, where they're maybe not g- able to go to a gallery, right? They don't live in New York City or they're not near right. Art Basel once a year kind of a thing.
1: Right, right. Yeah, I think one of the things uh, that I've liked to say over the years um, as part of our mission is to bring art back into the common conversation. You know, I, I think that um, it it used to be uh, art and sciences or what people discussed. And, and now it's been uh, replaced with a lot of media and all of that. Um, but I, I think that... Most artists, if you ask them, and and there's a famous quote by Picasso about it, something similar. It says, you know, you ask a painter, when did they start? And, you know, the answer is everybody as a child is creative. And some people stop and some people keep going. I just kept going. And I, I think that there's a lot of room for conversation around creativity and in education, it could be problem solving or um anything of the sort, but keeping keeping that dialogue open for kids be, since they're already there um would be would be my approach. Um, We share a lot of education through, like, interviews on the site um, about the artist and and their journey. And a lot of them are very self-reflective. You know, whether somebody dealt with synesthesia, you'll see that in the work. If they were dyslexic, you'll see that in the work. If they lost parents, you'll see that in the work. If they're into environmentalism, you you can read that and see that in the work. Um, and so, whatever somebody's interested in, whatever somebody's going through as a human experience, um, that can be expressed in a creative way. So I think today we in schools, at least, it's a lot of memorizing and regurgitating. But if we, you know, had you know, in an ideal world, the opportunity to express ourselves and problem solve creatively, it could look very different.
0: Headroom is produced by Old Soul a one-stop marketing agency that understands the power of brand and nuance. Reach out to my guy Matt at Old Soul and supercharge your brand and content strategy. That's Old Soul. Shoot Matt a note at a old That's aoldsoul.com. That's a o l d s o u l.com. And now, back to our guest. Yeah. The comfortability with the unknown. Uh help me Understand or walk me through what we should be expecting with the digital art world. I keep seeing all these stories, and you know, these, I, and I may, may not even be describing that correctly, but it's basically art that is created digitally. Yes. Um, is there going to be an impact on the way in which you operate? How should we understand it? It feels like it's leaning into this NFT space. I mean, there's just <laughs> this right, right, new right. world out there, and I don't know how right. that's impacting you in the way in which you think about the physical art piece.
1: Yeah, I, I think um the metaverse and web three is definitely something that's coming. Um I like to think of NFTs and the digital and the making of digital work is as a um as a new tool, as a new medium, sort of like when photography came on the scene and painters were like, What do I do with this? Technology, <laughs> right? It's kind of the same way. If um if it's core to an artist's practice, um, then it then it makes sense. And if it doesn't, it doesn't. One of the ways that it doesn't mean it doesn't need to be forced, in other words. Um, one of the ways that we're using the technology um, on the blockchain uh, and with NFTs that we think is really powerful, that I think is really powerful, is that we sell NFT COAs. So um nfts are non-fungible tokens and coas are certificates of authenticity today in the art world when you buy a piece it'll come with its provenance right so this is when it was made this is who made it like so they're authenticating the work a lot of forgery and confusion down the line can come from that because it is um forgeable but if it's if it's been on the blockchain there is no possibility of there's no question of whether that's the original piece and in the smart contract of that nft We have put in a royalty so that every time that piece is traded, the artist will get 10% of the sale price. Um, And so we think that that's I would imagine that's
0: new, right? That's innovative. I don't.
1: Yeah, that's very new, very innovative, um, and really needs the entire art market to buy into the concept for it to work. Um,
0: What's been the response to that?
1: very good i mean especially from the artists it could be life changing right because today they sell it one time and the record auction prices that people see the artist doesn't get a piece of those sales so if it were required that things traded on the blockchain and an artist got 10% of that sale every time that would be that would be incredible that would be life changing
0: for them it's like selling real estate, right? I mean, the house. I mean, every time you sell it, right? The bank. I mean, you, they're still getting their their percentage on on the back end. When you look at other industries, especially in art, I, maybe it's because I just saw the playlist, the story about Spotify. Um, how much do you take from those? Of course, they're not direct examples um, to what you're doing, but you know, Spotify was looking at how do we create something that is open to the world? How do we how do we support the artist? Um, this feels like with the NFT and the COA sort of approach that it very much is, it's almost like a 2.0 version, um, of what Spotify was doing, but in the art world, do you look at what other industries are doing? Is that helpful for you?
1: Sure. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the whole idea of a royalty comes from, you know, music. So, um, for us, music, entertainment, all of that, that doesn't really exist in the art world. but, you know, maybe in the future or starting now.
0: (laughs) So do you, we were talking earlier about how you think of yourself in this space, right? I would imagine you're a staunch defender of the artist, that that takes, that may be the primary sort of role that you take, that you are defender in chief. That sounds Mm -hmm. probably very (laughs) uh, hyperbolic. Yeah, I... Do you feel that? I,
1: I think definitely the artist and the artist story is at the forefront of what we do and our mission and um but also the collector and and I think that there are people who are involved in the art world but there is a lot of of people in our country who do not participate um who don't feel like they have access and so bringing together artists who are really making incredible work and connecting them with people who want to participate, who want to support artists, but don't feel like they can walk into a gallery or, you know, they feel like they don't know anything about artwork. I feel like
0: you're talking to me personally, Chelsea.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you're just not alone. It's, there's just so many people who feel just like you. As soon as someone finds out what I do, you know, they're like, oh, you know, I don't know anything about art. Oh, I'd you love to learn become intimidating, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like when you meet a dentist and you all of a sudden lick your teeth, you know? You're just like, oh, my God. <laughs> <good." laughs> oh, yeah.
0: That's pretty really
1: funny. <laughs> uh, um, I think that, yeah. And, and so as a defender of, of artists and being able to get them to a place where they can really um, become a full-time artist because a lot of them start as you know they have to have a day job um to pursue a career and to develop their collector base um, and make it so that they can you know have a career and flourish that's that's uh definitely our mission and and also to bring incredible work to people who who want to engage with it in a way that they haven't before like if you think about it there, there is a national brand of almost every industry right there's you know there's like a, a bed bath and beyond or a pottery barn that these are names that everybody knows but there's there for for mass there's no such name in in art obviously there's and there is sotheby's and christie's at the high end um but that's not catering to the majority of the people.
0: Let's pivot to your story a little bit. Um, Tell me about being a female entrepreneur in the art world. Are you you sitting at a very crowded table or are you sitting as a party of one or a few?
1: I think there are a lot of powerful women in the art world, um, but nobody is doing something quite like we are. Um, bringing the quality of the top to with with the accessibility of of the bottom, right? Mm-hmm. so that um, we can meet people where they need to be. Um, yeah, I, I think being a female CEO has it's been a learning curve, but ultimately a
0: what surprises? Uh,
1: surprises.
0: Yeah. What, what, what assumptions did you make early on that were either disheartening because you thought, my goodness, it's, you know, 2011, 20, whatever it is. And you're still battling something that you thought potentially was already solved.
1: Oh, in terms of being a female entrepreneur, I don't have any of that story. I have never been taken less seriously or afforded less opportunity because i was a woman i don't have that um that narrative's not mine potentially unique Um, to art
0: to the art world
1: potentially unique to my perspective on things
0: and what's what's that perspective
1: We're getting really deep. Um, I, <laughs> it's like we're looking
0: at a painting. Come on, Chelsea. We're walking at Art Basel, and you
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, I just, I just won't um, indulge in any like victim mentality.
0: No, I get it. Look, I re- I absolutely respect that, and yeah. I, and I think it's important to share stories of, of very strong women, right? And it is yeah. still sad when we have such a very low percentage of female entrepreneurs that get funding for those that want funding, right? It's yes, there are yes. still some things out there. Um, okay, yeah. so and,
1: and I think just on that note, and I can, I can definitely relate. I think that there are a lot less female founded uh, funded companies, but I think that. Women and their studies that show this are uh, only go for funding once they have proven the concept to themselves. Whereas men generally will say, Give me the money and I'll see if it works. And so VCs, if you're listening, obviously look <laughs> for the women and 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 fund them. Because they feel a great sense of responsibility to do the right thing and to, um, you know, not take money if they don't think that they can, they can perform. And and I I can very much relate to that. So it's, it's really, you know, part of who I am as a woman, but it's not, it's not something that somebody did to me. Do you know what I mean?
0: Totally get it. Um, Let's talk about the purity of art and the childlike mm-hmm. nature when you see something for the first time, maybe when you were a little girl and you you didn't realize that you were already falling in love with art, but you were. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, That kind of visceral experience can change as we get older because we've got family and work and we're running a business, right? And so sometimes right. those experiences, those moments can be fleeting. So yeah. given the space that you're in, yeah. Talk about how do you, how do you separate out running your company, right? Mm-hmm. Being a mom, doing all these sorts of things, and still finding time to have those happy, artistic accidents, right? Where you sort of make sort of that proverbial left turn and you see something that surprises you.
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, one of the most inspiring things and the thing that keeps me going is discovering art and artists and. Seeing something new for the first time, it's so incredibly awe-inspiring. And that is, you know, it's like life is measured by the moments that take your breath away kind of thing. Um, And And you still have
0: those on a regular basis. Oh,
1: yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 There is no shortage of incredible people making incredible things out there. Um, We just have to shift our attention there. And I think that's also very root to my mission and what drives me is to bring more beauty into our world that is so focused and and making so much money off of fear and division um
0: has it become harder with the with the i mean think about all the art pieces that you've seen in your lifetime right and yeah. it's like someone who is in the movie business, you always wonder, can they go to a movie and enjoy it for the same reasons they did that got them into the profession? Because you just know, you know too much. Or so you, much. you Right. Yeah. You, you might know how something was produced or you know a little bit about the artist. Right. Have you gotten, I guess, better? Or have you gotten to a point where you can thread that needle in a way that you can then very sort of authentically experience the art without the prejudice or the bias that I think most, you may be superhuman. I'm going to leave it.
1: <laughs> the window opens <laughs> um yes because i think there is there is a critical eye that's like okay this is good versus this person needs to be developed but then there's also this is a very human experience and expression and there's always beauty in that there's always beauty in the vulnerability that somebody is putting into their work and then sharing publicly. Um and so that is probably how I would divide those is, you know, is it, you know, from a from a critical place versus a human connection and an inspiring place.
0: Let's close with this. So you've you've crossed your first decade here. Um, yeah. What's next? Um, You know, it's, do you think bigger, bolder? uh, What what direction does your vision take you?
1: Yeah, I think that we are poised to be that national brand that everybody um, feels like they can, knows that they can go to for um, a truly safe and authentic art buying experience. Um, in come January, we'll be opening our first brick and mortar space in LA, right? Um, in LA, yeah, uh, on Melrose. So please come check us out and, um, a- and we'll see what that retail experience brings and, and how, how we unfold from there.
0: Well, it's been a great pleasure to to spend some time with you. And I, I said, it, I think at the beginning, but sort of walked into this conversation a little bit intimidated because of the very reasons we were talking about with art, because right. um, I love art in different forms and I, I don't I haven't I don't have a trained eye. Right. So it's fascinating to spend even just a little bit of time with someone who has that trained eye and thankfully is protecting the art world for the future. So thank you on behalf of all lay people
1: for what you're <laughs> doing, you.
0: Chelsea. Where should people thank go to either rock. connect with you or to to uh, learn more about your company?
1: Um, my handle is Chelsea underscore NN underscore and Tappin Collective, um, at Tappin Collective is, is our Instagram handle. Um, so that that's the best
0: place. Well, keep up the wonderful work and uh, I hope to visit you at the Melrose store in, in Thank LA. Thank you, Rod. Uh, I don't know if it'll yes. be cool enough. Melrose, you gotta be cool to be on. Uh, <laughs>
1: No no no. If we take nothing away from this conversation, Rod, it's that it's it's for everybody. It it's is a very it's it's for everybody. And yeah.
0: check out the website. I, I was I found I thought I had a certain amount of time to go through the website and I kept going and just looking and looking.
1: Oh good.
0: <laughs> so. Oh good. Oh
1: good. Yeah. We tried to do the um curating for you so you feel like when you come to the site it's a safe space and, and yeah it was feel- not it
0: did not feel intimidating it felt actually incredibly cool. welcoming so continued success in all that you're doing we want to root on the chelsea nasibs of the world go to tap and collective i'm your host dr Rod Berger. thanks for taking the plunge into headroom where we uncover the why behind the what and who impacting our lives headroom is a production of Rainlight and co-produced by our friends at old soul I'm your host, Dr. Rod Berger, and this is Headroom.